0: You don't know that you even have next week. Oh, wow. <laughs> for what is, what is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Us older folks definitely know that. How quick did he go by, right? <laughs> but even at that, the person doesn't know. Uh, you know, a young person, we can outlive all the young people in here more. Don, Don and I and, and you and Larry, Terry and I. Because things can happen And people die that are just suddenly gone. So that's why he says to be ready all the time. For you ought to say, if the Lord live, we shall live. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. So Lord willing, this will happen, or I will do this, or I will do that. Anything more than that is boasting and thinking you're in control of your own life in that respect. Death is not in our hands. That's right. You okay. know, but, but we, we uh, just uh, trust the Lord and we walk and we say, the Lord willing, I'll be at your house. The Lord willing, I'll, you know, Don says that all the time. Lord willing, we're going to go do this. Lord willing, we're going to go to Tookie's next week. I but we don't that. know, you know, because we might not live till next week. Amen. It, it may be
1: over with. Christ. You know, so it's always the Lord will whether we do this or do that. Mm. Amen. Paul said to, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So we're talking about Paul. No, we should live like him and, and have that same attitude. But Paul's life was right with Christ. That's right. So, you know, it didn't matter to him one way or the other. Sure. But uh, so you could tell Paul, yeah, everything's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could. You could. Yeah,
0: as long as you're walking in the, in the yeah. truth, it's going to be great. It's going to be better than okay. all right. right. Yeah. But there's so many people, and just like what you were saying, though, Linda, it, and with the point that you brought out, so many people – are uh, just, um, they want to make people comfortable. And I've never been to a funeral yet myself, personally, where somebody got up and said, Well, this, this guy didn't make it. You know, he wasn't living right for the Lord. But everybody, goes, everybody wants to say, Well, he's in a better place. Well, how do you know he's in a better place? Well, they want to tell him that to make the, the people feel more comfortable and better about it. Wow. But it's not the truth. No,
2: it's not. You know,
0: uh, there's a, he said that most people are not going to make it to the kingdom, right. there's very, very few that's going to be saved, he said. But yet we want to make people feel comfortable, so we lie to it. That's no good. The Lord's not pleased with that. He wants us to tell the truth,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just so tell really. the truth and love. Yeah. Say that I can remember at my mother's Sorry. funeral, one of my cousins. I was walking away from the casket, and one of my cousins stepped in front of me, and he says, "Well, he said she's with Jesse, talking mm-hmm. about my dad." And I said, "Jay, I said." I know for a fact where my mother is. As for my dad, I did him that. He didn't know what to say.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I can't I, I honestly can't tell you my dad made it to heaven.
0: But most don't. Most, but my most mother, don't make it. I that.
2: know for a fact, yeah.
0: How do you know how do you how do you know for a fact? Just wondering.
2: <laughs> Just wondering how do I know. how do you
0: know her heart for a fact. How do you know?
2: The way she lived. Hard. I mean, just everything about her. My mother saw no bad in no one mm. as far as that. Not just that. She she loved the Lord. She used to pray in French. I was learning to say the Lord's prayer in French.
1: She passed. So she was Catholic?
2: She was, yeah. But
1: watching... I could go a long ways with all that, oh, but I'm not telling know, right in my time. <laughs> but she had,
2: so I did feed her a little bit at a time what I could. But you I didn't even know the her, truth then, did you? I asked her, Mom, oh, <laughs> do you believe in Jesus? I know, but that's do not Do you believe that he died <clears throat> for us? <throat> you know, I, I did. I know. I understand. Just saying. I told her what all I knew to tell her. And okay. Her let, let's back up. Let's back up. Because
0: we need to. We need to back up a little bit. Because okay, let's be know. clear. Everybody here needs to understand what it takes to make it to heaven. And we've been through this a lot, but let's be real clear on it. And I I want to hear from you guys on this. What does it take to really know that you're going to be in heaven? How do you know that?
3: Okay,
0: first of all, 1 John chapter 5 says that, the John really says, the things I wrote to you so that you can know that you have eternal life. The Lord wants you to know that you have eternal life. But the key is, Is how do you know that you have eternal life? A lot of people think they have eternal life. A lot of people believe in all their heart they have eternal life. And that can be exactly what the devil wants you to believe and be lost as a goose. And that's the way most of the world is. They believe they've got eternal life. Why do they believe they have eternal life? They believe they're a pretty good person. Some people, right? Some people believe that, well, I went forward and I accepted the Lord as my Savior and asked him to forgive me. They think they have eternal life. They've been even told they had eternal life. But what does the Bible say it takes to
1: have eternal life? That's
0: without the holiness,
1: no man will see the Lord. <coughs> huh? Without holiness,
0: no man will see the Lord. Okay, well, okay let's expound from that, Don. What, what is holiness? Let's the, the really simplify it. He said, without holiness, is what he said, no man shall see the Lord, which is found in, I think, in, in Hebrews chapter 12. of Verse 14. Verse 14. Okay, so let's define, what is holiness then? Walking in righteousness. Where's that? <laughs> Cedric, you and me too, now I'm just kidding you. Walking in Holiness is, taken from the word holy, right? First uh, Peter chapter one says, be holy even as I am holy. So uh, what kind of holiness is that? Walking as Jesus walked, right? Holiness is, there's no evil in holiness. There's no darkness in holiness. It's all the light of the Lord. And without that, would, it be, would I be able to say I'm walking in holiness if I'm walking in sin? No, absolutely I can't, right? But if I'm to walk in holiness, means I'm walking holy, right. as Jesus is, is holy. So that's, that's a good scripture, God, Give me another one. Acts 3.19. Acts 3.19. Read it for me.
4: It says, so Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord.
0: Okay, um, explain to me, uh, it says repent, right? The first thing you said was repent. Uh, Explain to me what repentance is, (laughs)
1: Cedric.
4: Okay? Repentance is a change of mind. All right, the Bible says that repentance, the Greek word for repentance is a a word called metanoia. Metanoia means a change of mind. A change of mind results in a change of heart. Once your mind is changed, your heart is changed. Once your heart is changed, your mind is changed. They both are synchronized. So
0: when you basically... uh, a change of mind. The mind is you. Yeah, right. Your is. mind could mean heart. Correct. It, it's you. So you had a change of your life. Correct. Uh, give me a scripture to go along with that. Do you have one that maybe goes along with that? There's three of them that I can think of on the top of my head. Well, Luke 15. Luke 15. You talk about the prodigal son. Correct. Prodigal that's son. A, yeah, that's a, a good uh, What about Second um, uh, Corinthians 5:17? That's a change of mind. Yes. Yeah, a change good. of mind. If any man be in Christ, yeah. he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Correct. Here's another change in mind. What about being born again?
4: Yes, that's a change of mind.
0: That's another change in mind where he was awesome. one person before he walked into the flesh. Now he's a new person. Okay, what about uh, uh, Luke 5, a new wineskin? Correct. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You can't put old wine, a new wine into an old wineskin. It it'll burst. You have to become a new wineskin to receive new wine. So um, so, so, let's go back to the... Anybody else have another one? Some other stuff to go with that?
1: First Corinthians six
0: nine. First Corinthians six nine. Yes, uh, godless sorrow leads to repentance. Repentance to salvation. Salvation not to be repented of. So all these things we talk about. What does it take to be <clears throat> to make it to heaven? What does it it's take important, to important, enter the kingdom of God?
4: It's important to know really what it means to truly be born again, because not many people have the right definition or meaning of what it really means to be born again. Like born again is not a prayer. Being born again is not a statement. Being born again is a lifestyle. Being born again is actually <clears throat> turning and being converted. Like this actually says, this word converted is an action. Like it takes place and there's a transition. So once you're converted, that means that you were, you were really in a place beforehand that you shouldn't have been and been converted to the place that you are.
0: Let me back up on you just a little bit and ask you another question, yeah. Cedric. Um, what's the importance of being born again? What does born again do for you? What's well, the importance of that?
4: Well, the scripture says, Jesus said that unless a man be born again, he won't see the kingdom of God. That's found in John him.
0: chapter 3. He won't what?
4: He won't see the kingdom of God.
0: So unless a man is born again, he won't see the kingdom of God and he won't be able to enter the kingdom of God, no. correct? Correct. So it's, so it's that's vastly important that you're born again because without being born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm a born again Christian. Yeah. But you're trying to say, let's define born again, is what you're saying. Correct. Okay. Wes wants to add something to it. Can he add something to it? Go ahead, Wes.
3: Yeah, we went over to 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 13 this morning. Um, if you want to go over there, it's uh, verse 5. It says, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you do you know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified or reprobate? So you're you're testing yourself to see if you're actually in the faith. So um, the Bible wouldn't tell you to test yourself to see if you're whether you're in the faith. Prove yourself. And that was one of the things that Don brought out this morning. But if you go to Second Corinthians, chapter seven, which which, you know, Don just referred to uh, verses uh, 10 and 11 for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world produces death For we observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligent it produced. So what does it produce? What's it going to produce on the inside of you? Uh, What clearing uh, of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what what vindication, and all these things you prove. So there's proving yourself. So you have to examine and prove to yourself to see if you're in the faith. And it says you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. So true repentance is not to be repented of. So you're not in a sin-confessed cycle. And so you proved yourself to be clear. The word clear means pure in the Greek, so that's, that's the godly sorrow that leads to salvation. And if somebody doesn't prove themselves to be pure or prove, prove themselves to be clear in whatever matter that they repented from, then they didn't truly repent and therefore they never truly got saved. This is why James chapter 1 verse 21 says to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness so they can receive the word of God. And then it can save your souls, which is able to save your souls. That's how the Bible puts it. And, and that's why Cedric, when he quoted from Acts chapter three, verse 19, you know, repent and be converted. That's the process of a of, of true conversion. And then, therefore, it's more than just a mere profession. It's more than just words. It's a lifestyle, like Cedric said. I
0: Again, mean, you know, um I hear that often, Linda, and I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't picking on you because, but this happened, this, this is said a lot of times, and, and so it's not, it's not just you, and, and so, but, for, but this is what happens, uh, I, I hear a lot of, well, I was saved so many years ago, uh, well, I, I, you know, my, my mother, I know when, you know, I, I know that for sure, we, we, we hear these type of statements, and I just question those statements, because I know myself, I thought I was okay with God because I was, you know, i would had an experience with God. I know I had an experience with him. I think I I, I know that I started on the right realm. But then when I got into the the church realm, the modern-day church, whether it was Catholicism, the Protestant church, all of them, I, I began to trust in that priest, pope, or that pastor. And then they began to tell me that, hey, everybody sins. We're all sinners. And I fell for that. And I began to excuse sin in my life because I thought it wasn't necessary to be sinless to get to heaven, which most people, not, probably over 95% of people think that. So I, I won't go back and say, well, I was saved back then. I did have an experience with God. I don't I discredit that, but I was deceived in the way to really finalize what I, what God had started and what I had begun begin in that repentance. At first, I, I turned completely away from sin, but eventually I went back because of what I was being taught. The, the religious world, the church world, messed me up. They didn't help me. They messed me up by giving me a false doctrine, a false way of doing it. You have to understand, the scripture says in Matthew chapter 5, you don't have to turn it, I'll quote it, but in Matthew chapter 5, it talks about uh, that there's few that, uh, actually, let's see, that's Matthew chapter
1: um
0: I'm sorry, chapter seven. He says, "Entering a straight gate, for narrow is the gate and, and, and that leads to life, and how many few there be that find it? <clears throat> but broad is the gate, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and most means many are going that direction." Yeah. Okay, there is a famine in the land. The word of God, the truth. Then he goes back to Luke thirteen. And he comes back and they ask Jesus a question. And they says, one said to him in verse 23, he says, then said one to him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said to them, he said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. What was the straight gate? Remember he told us that in Matthew 7 with the straight gate, straight and narrow gate. For many, for many I say you will seek to enter in, but shall not be able. Why won't they be able? Because they're not doing it God's way. They were not converted. They weren't converted. Or they, and it they wasn't doing it. The Bible says, if any man strive, let him strive lawfully, is what the scriptures. What does that mean? That means you have to do it by the instructions of the word of God. Not the instructions of another man, but the instructions of the word of God. There is no assurance. There is no salvation pointed out in the scriptures. And that's why I had to bring those scriptures out. Another good one was Hebrews 5.9 that says, That Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all those that obey him. So obedience is necessary for salvation. Man will tell you that obedience is not necessary for salvation, but God said, yes, it is. I told him, I was sharing this morning, I said, you remember in in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus took John and Peter up with him to the Mount of Transfiguration, to their mountain. And he was up there with them, and boy, that was just glorious. And, and Peter, John, see, Moses, and Elijah show up on the scene, and Jesus is there, and he's glowing. And man, they just like excited. He said, man, Lord, this is so good. Let's build, let's build three tabernacles here. Let's build one for you, one, one, for, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And if you remember, there came a cloud that came over him. And out of the cloud, a voice came. It was the voice of God. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I well pleased. Hear ye him. Listen to what he's telling you. The same thing happened in Luke 6.46 when he says, says, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You know what? You, if you just took away all the rest of the Bible and you just took and you kept the four Gospels and you listened to what Jesus said to do, you do well. you do well. But what has happened, the opposite happened. They they threw away the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they say, well, we in Reformed theology. We don't have to do what Jesus said, and we can just just believe that we're, we're not under the law anymore. We're free from everything. We can sin. All we have to do is believe in the finished work of Christ and just believe, and we're going to heaven. What a great deception in the land. So it's important that we clear on what it takes to have eternal life. Like Ben mentioned earlier about the coming of the Lord, about being ready for the Lord, about 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 all about when it's gonna happen, all this some people can focus on that so much and they're not focused on what it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. Focus on what it takes to get there. i you know, and, and and so I'm very leery about when somebody says, and, and Don knows maybe sometimes still a little bit too leery, Donna. But when somebody says, Oh well they just really love the Lord I'm like, oh. I'm like, why? Because they say they do, or because they they have some things that, that in their life that it looks like they do, but what does love the Lord mean? And and some truly do I love the Lord. I, I believe, I believe all of them. you love the Lord. But 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 what is it? What does love the Lord really
1: mean? Love me. If you love me, you will,
0: will, you will what? Follow me. You'll, you'll follow me. You won't listen to a stranger's voice. You'll, you'll, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The one who says, I know him. He keeps my commandments. I'll a liar. the truths not in. Listen, if I have all any junk coming out of me, out of my mouth, right. or any sin coming out of my life, I've got to admit that my heart's not right with God, and I'm not ready to meet the Lord. We've got to be ready to meet the Lord. We've got to make sure. That's why he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. So, what does it take? Everything. Everything. That's right. he, says, he says in, in uh, Luke 14, 28, he says, unless a man forsakes all that he has, he cannot be
1: my disciple. Amen. Also, um, uh, in the attitude, nobody really seeks to be persecuted for righteousness, but it says
0: those that are persecuted for righteousness, theirs is the kingdom of God. Amen. And the only reason you get, get persecuted for righteousness is if they do it righteousness.
3: Yeah, Wes, go ahead. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's it's called It cost Everything because it relates to, like, the the man that was uh, the merchant that Jesus says is like the kingdom of God, is as a man uh, that had, uh, you know, that sold all the pearls that he had to to gain the pearl of great price. It cost him everything. And over and over, you see Jesus teaching this: it costs everything to obtain the kingdom of God. It says a treasure that's in a field, and then he sold everything and bought that field. Um, also, if, if you look at First Timothy chapter six, along the lines of eternal life, I think this is kind of gives both sides of of the same coin. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. I'll let you turn there. It says, uh, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, of which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So you see in verse 10 that they strayed from the faith by their love and their greed for money. So they were in the faith, then they strayed from the faith. Verse 10, 11 says, But you, O man of God, speaking to Timothy, Paul writing, uh, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. So there you are. You have to fight the good fight of faith in order to lay hold on eternal life. He says, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, and then further on in verse 14, it says that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ appearing. So you see that the only way that Timothy is able to lay hold on eternal life, he already made the good confession. He already said he was a Christian. He already said, Jesus is Lord. But Paul's commanding him that he fight the good fight of faith, contend for the faith, and lay hold on eternal life. If eternal life was already in Timothy's possession, it would be pointless for Paul to tell them to lay hold on to it. So it's not in his possession in the sense of he just absolutely has it. There's no way that he can lose it. No, he has to complete his course he has to finish his race. And in order for him to do that, he has to continue to fight and contend for the faith in order for him to ultimately lay hold on it. And that's why it tells him to keep the commandment without spot and blameless until the coming of the Lord. So unless somebody does that, they don't have eternal life.
0: Amen. A good one, a good one also there, that is, since you're in chapter six, I want, I want you to read one other scripture. It says in verse three. Of of faith and teaching those things that are according to the word of God. He said, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and of the teaching which is according to godliness, somebody doesn't hold on to the words, the teachings of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those four gospels where he said, Just like when he said to the rich man, the rich man came, the rich young ruler came to him and he said, what do I need to go to the heaven? He, asked, he said, good man, what, what will it take? And Jesus, what did Jesus say? He didn't tell him, he says, just believe in my cross that I'm going to. You're going to be good to go. He didn't say that. What did he tell him? He says, you know the commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. And he named the commandments. And the young man looked at him and he says, all these things I've done since I was young. And Jesus says, there's one thing that you lack. Go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. You know the story. The young, rich young ruler walked away sorrowfully. Mm-hmm. But what were the words of Jesus Christ? Tell me you need to keep the commandments.
1: Yeah.
0: You don't need to have any love for money in your heart like you just talked about there, which goes on and says that same thing. Those were the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if someone asks you for a coat, give him your cloak also. someone asks you to go a mile, go with it too. He said, if I if, if offend you, pluck it out. If your arm to offend you, cut it off. He said, "But before we said, if you if you if you lust after a woman, you if you, you should not commit adultery. But I say, if one looks upon a woman as to lust after her, he's already committed adultery in her, in his heart with her. And he says, therefore, he says, if your arm offend you, cut it off; if your eye offend you, pluck it out. For it's better to go to heaven with one arm or one eye than it is to go to hell with two. So he's saying, you got to stop doing these things. You got to stop going away. You need to remove that part of your life." That's causing you to stumble. You need to get away from that. Why was he saying that? Why didn't he just say, hey, just believe in me, man. You're good to go. But he gave those words. That's what he says here. When you read 1 Timothy 6, he says that, that you are to consent, that these consent not to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ for your life. Nobody that I know of hardly in the world is preaching that they're all preaching that you know, you're know you okay, you just come just forward and you accept the Jesus. Lord, yeah. you're going to sin for the rest of your life, you're okay and you make it. Jesus didn't say that.
2: You know, Pastor, Never. I know you didn't know my mother but everything that was just read here in Timothy in verses 10 through 14 you've described my mom she was a lady, I mean if dad would have said frog, she would have said what
0: color? Uh, there's been people that have lived for the Lord I mean, in, in this place and that place. I, I don't know her. I, I have no idea. You know, yes. I have no idea. But And but she may have she, been, I, I don't know. But, 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 but getting back that to that what you were saying, Cedric, of uh, uh, being born again, that's an important thing because a lot of people just use that, that, that type of speech. And so when well, I've been born again. I'm a born-again Christian. And I've heard it said to me, well, they're born-again Christians. President Carter's is born-again Christian. All these people are born-again Christians. And throw the word around like it's just because you acknowledge Jesus Christ, you're born again. That's not born again. You know, we're born again. It's becoming that new creation. Uh, as a matter of fact, it, it talks about uh, in First in, in John 3, 9, what does it say? What does yeah, it right, say? right, right, right. <clears throat> i go there now. Go read that. Read that. Or ben, you had something you wanted to say in the meantime. Please. No. Okay.
4: First John three nine says, "Whoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin,
0: because he is born of God." So being a born—that's we're talking about being born of God, being born again. Another one is in 1 Peter chapter two, and uh, in verse—if uh, you start at verse twenty-two, seeing you have purified. First Peter two, twenty two, and twenty uh, and twenty three. It says this. You want to read? I haven't. Huh? Whatever, whatever what you want. What was it? First Peter. First Peter two. I uh, mean, First Peter one, uh, verse twenty two, and twenty three. Seeing you have purified your souls, how do you purify your souls in, in obeying okay. the truth? So there's that obedience that's necessary through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another fervently with a pure heart. If we can really get into that, a pure heart, you know, that has, there's no junk in you know, it like Mark 7 says. There's nothing. There's nothing coming out of the mouth. There's, nothing, there's no sin whatsoever. That's a pure heart. Being, so the person with a pure heart, what is he? Being born again. See, if you're born again, you have a pure heart. If you're born again, you walking in obedience for what the Scripture is saying. Not of corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed. Why? Because you're born again of Jesus Christ, the incorruptible seed, his seed, the word of God. By the word of God, that's the seed, which liveth and abideth forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Wow. Okay, that's just the prelude now. We're ready to get started. That was
2: good.
0: Did you understand
2: it
0: though, Ms. Linda? Yes, I did. Everybody want to have a good understanding of that? Mm-hmm. I, I know this isn't the popular teaching of today, but it's the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's his word. You know, and that's what we we have to be honest, speak truth and love, and and yet because we don't want to just comfort people, we want to help people. To, to have the truth. Jesus had in trouble for that, okay? They they hung him on a cross for that. Because he just he spoke the truth in love and they hated him for it. But when somebody's not right in the Lord, this is the problem. Go to John chapter 3. This is the same chapter that talks about being born again that you just read about, right? With Nicodemus, when Jesus told Nicodemus what he took. And it, it comes to closer to the end of the chapter, and, um, and and we'll start at verse nineteen. It says, "And this, and this is the condemnation: that light has come into the world. Who is the light that came into the world? Jesus, right? Or or righteousness? Righteousness is light. No and men love darkness." rather than light, right? They love sin more than righteousness because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil, sin, they hate the light. Somebody said to me the other day, why did you say that God hates the Lord? I said, because if you do it evil, you hate the Lord. When David sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan came and confronted him, he told, Nathan told David, you hate God and you hate his commandments. You despise him because that, that's like saying you love the Lord and you don't keep his commandments. You hate the Lord. There's no like or dislike. You either hate him or you love him in the world. But, but here it says, for everyone that do is, do is evil, everyone that says, they hate the light. They don't love Jesus. They might say they love Jesus. They might pronounce that and talk about all kinds of passionate and feelings that they have for the Lord, but they really hate the light. It's not me saying that. that's what the Word of God says. It says they hate the light. Don't be fooled. Neither do they come to the light. Why? Because they don't want their sin to be shown. Somebody said to me, well, you know, if you, somebody says, you know what? I don't like to read the Bible because I feel pressure. From God, He's pushing me to do what's right. Every time I read the Bible, it's like somebody telling me over and over again, you need to go to church. Getting some conviction. Oh, come on, now. Am I rubbing some You need to go to church. You know, he's helping people. Why are you rubbing? why are you keep telling me that you pressuring me? Don't read your Bible because you're gonna get pressured. Yeah. You need to do this to enter the kingdom of God. It
1: means it's working.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on man. Don't don't pressure me about living for God. Don't read your Bible because you're going to get some pressure. The heat's going to get turned up, Brother Cedric. It's going to get turned up. But he that, but, but for everyone that doeth evil, haste light, neither come to light, lest his deed should be reproved. They don't want to talk about the word. They don't want to get in the word. So what do you do? Just don't read the Bible. Just don't read that book. Because he's a forgetful hearer if he does. He looks at it. He looks in the mirror. This word is a mirror. The Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that the word of God it, it, it is a discerner. It's like a double-edged sword. It's a discerner. It separates the heart and the intents of the heart. It shows you what your heart, where your heart is when you read this word. They don't want to do that because they don't want to be corrected. But he that doeth, right, doeth truth, what happens then? He comes to the light. Oh, he wants to be I love to be with the people of God. I love this. I love everybody here with us and the guy going on and being with my brothers and sisters. This is my favorite time to fellowship one with another. Me too. Isn't that your favorite time? Yes. Best time, yes. man. Don't it's, it don't get any better than this on earth to me. It's being right here with like minded brethren. Because why? Because I love the light. He loves the light. That his deeds may be made manifest, seen, and they are wrought in God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Cedric, you had something you wanted to say? Um, I knew you told you wanted me to
4: speak on First John 3. That's I was saying, while we was there, if you wanted me to on it. Yeah. Um, it's
0: up to you. Let's do one other scripture first. I want to, while I'm doing this, I'm going to just bring this out. That's fine. Look at Luke chapter uh, 14. You know, a lot of people, fellowship, the word, living for God just isn't that important. They don't have enough desire. The time I see people that come and they go, I say, man, Lord, I just wish they had more desire. I see other things in their life, man, they won't miss for the world. But when it comes to being with your brothers and sisters, just, they lack like desire for that being in the word of God, praying, reading God's word. You never want to be in that position where you lack that desire, don't you? Jesus gave a parable in Luke 14. He said this, verse 16. He said, A certain man made a great feast and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, invited, come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one excuse of consent, began to make excuse. The first said, "I bought a piece of ground, and I need to go see it. Let me be excused. I'm I'm too busy. I had to work. I had to do this. I had to do that." Another said, "I have have bought five yoke of auction, and I need to go test them. Have me excused." And another said, "I married a wife. I cannot come." I remember we were in a group of people, Jill, years ago, and we were sitting down eating at the table. And somebody said, somebody said, where's such and such? And uh, they said, well, they're not here. They got married last weekend. And Christian was just a little boy. and He said, I married a wife and I cannot come. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh, am by the babes.
1: <laughs>
0: Long time ago. But he said, another said, I married a wife. I cannot come. It's just got, you have to have enough desire that this is so important to you. Amen. Right. Because your relationship with the Lord is so important. This is the most important. If you miss everything in the world, in this world, you don't get the education, you don't have the best jobs, all that, that's not what's really important. The scripture actually says, what's highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. Wow. So. What's lowly esteemed in men is, a please, is pleasing to the Lord. And this is lowly esteem To come and really hear the words of God, to really spend time in the Word, to really give you resources to the Lord, to everything to the Lord, to, to meet the needs of others, that your life is absorbed in God. It's a very dangerous thing to back off. Because when you're in the Lord, it keeps you with a sound mind. You won't even you have a sound mind, you'll be making stupid decisions,
1: walking in the wrong ways of walking in, in the gospel in this way. It's kind of like what uh, what Jesus said to Martha uh, about yeah. Mary. Yeah. That's that She it. had chosen a good thing mm. and it wouldn't be taken from her.
0: Yeah. And I was in Luke chapter 10. Right. Jesus was at, a, at Martha and, and Lazarus and and uh, Mary's house and uh, they had invited him over to dinner, and uh, so he came in the house, and when he he came in the house, he sat down, the disciples were there, and he was expounding on the words of God, and Mary went over there and sat down with Jesus, and she's sitting over there at Jesus' feet, listening to him, well Martha's up, because everybody's there, you know, she's like, well man, I got to, serve all these people get them something to drink or eat and get everything done it seemed like a good thing right you know you think well that's good she's serving everybody but the bad thing was that she didn't she felt like mary should have been doing it with her Mm -hmm. so she went up to jesus and she said jesus tell mary to come help me imagine telling jesus what to do And Jesus and looks God. at him. And you can imagine oh, it because we see that today. You know, yeah. Mary Martha is all upset. She's upset. And she's telling Jesus, Tell Mary to come help me serve all these people. And, and Jesus uh, says to Martha, listen, Martha, Martha. Probably couldn't handle like Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha no, he says, saying, you, know says you, you are troubled and anxious about many things. <laughs> you got the lot on your mind and on your heart. Like, don't worry about this. You're troubled and anxious about many things, but only one thing is needful. Wow. One thing is needful. That's right. and, Mary is and Mary has chosen that part <laughs> that cannot be taken away from her. Hallelujah. Wow. That's just like our lives. Only one thing is needful. You may be troubled and anxious about trying to make a living, about getting enough money to do this, about spending enough time with doing this, or what all these things, but really when it comes down to it, Only one thing is needful, Linda. Sit at Jesus' feet and hear his words.
2: Amen.
0: And obey them. The one thing that's needful. What a beautiful story. I'm glad you brought that out. That's such a beautiful story. Before we go on into James, I I told uh, uh, Cedric, I wanted to give him the opportunity to, uh, he was supposed to do it a few weeks ago, and I forgot about it. So I said, tonight, would you go through and he wants he gives a good explanation on First on John 1 and 8 and uh, explanation of that would you go ahead and do that Cedric alright
4: all right. so if you turn to First John 1 8 you see what we're talking about
0: I know it's not really in, it's ex- as in context what we're saying but yeah. but it, uh, it it is and it isn't because all the words in context actually right. but, sure? but it's good 1 John, John 1 very controversial um, Cherry picked scripture a lot out of out of these scriptures and tries to say that everybody is sinned in sin. If you don't sin, you are lying. So he's yeah. gonna uh, Cedric wants to explain that too. Now that you have the pressure on you, Cedric, go ahead. Yeah. I put it on everybody else. Yeah. All right. He can back up if you want to. Yeah. Uh, Hey guys.
4: (laughs) All right. So, uh, First John. So before we start in First John one, thanks, First John. Uh, We were at we were at Tookie and Linda's house in Pierpont, and um, we was at Tookie and Linda's house in Pierpont. uh, Me and Tookie and Linda was talking uh, in the book of First John because that's his favorite book. Tookie's favorite book, First John. And so we were talking about First John, and we went on to verse to verse two, and it was mentioned in that particular meeting that night that uh, yeah, brother, everything that you're saying, but you know, still if we do sin, we still have an advocate, though. Mm-hmm. And I said, ticky. uh, well, not just took it, but I just you know was talking in general with whoever made that comment and uh, as I said that's this not the case you know because that goes against everything that's that's being said it can't be in that context because if it's in that context then everything else that's saying what it says would go against and contradict it. so it has to be some other it has to mean something else and so I went and saw the Lord myself and I went home uh, and I just sought the Lord I said Lord show me what this means you know when this scripture says that my little children in verse in verse 1 chapter 2 verse John it says my little children these things write out unto you that you sin not all right I got that part and then he says and if any man sin we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ and so I've been I've met many people at different churches different groups different houses different ministries all different types of people that say yeah brother, if we haven't we have an advocate, even if we do something wrong. And they single like they, they single what word did I use? They make it a singular statement. Like they, they take it out and put it up like separated as, from yeah, the separated separated from, from the context. Right, right. They make it a separated statement. Like something that he taught me a while ago whenever I first started coming here and learning the word of God that there's no chapters in Greek. And so everything runs together. So we're keeping that in mind, once you read 1 John 1 on to 1 John chapter 2, you read it after you've just read the last verse in chapter one. And if you do that, then you can see the synchronizing that John is writing about. And so you'll see what I'm talking about as you read it. So go to 1 John chapter 1 and start at verse seven. So verse seven says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, talking about Jesus, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin if we're walking in the light. Now read the next verse in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Right? Many people see, um, um, not none, uh, separate that statement also that's how they separate verse two. But you about to see how God put this together, man. It's crazy. So they, they separate chapter two, verse one verse, and then they separate chapter one, verse eight verse, and make these two separated verses that if we say we have no sin, we are liars. And if we do sin, we have an advocate, right? But you put the two together. You don't separate them. You put them together and it makes sense. All right, so let's read, just keep reading And then it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, verse 7 just said the same thing. So he just reiterated himself the first time, right? And so if you read verse 10, it says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us, all right? Now, in verse 8, it says, if we say that we have no sin, this says no. Verse ten says not. They both are not. If you look them up in the Greek, the both are not. The and word it's, no is not correct. Correct. The word no is not. It's a past tense. If you, for instance, if you used to ask me, say Cedric, have you ever sinned before? And I said no, I've never sinned before in my life. No, then no. this this verse, according to this verse, Cedric is a liar because I just said that I've never sinned before. That's the context of this. Not saying that. He who says he has no sin in the present tense, you know, who's obviously who hasn't been cleansed yet. But that's the context of what it's talking about, a past tense, if I say that I have never sinned before. In verse 1, just like we went over before, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. Same thing that he's telling us in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of Righteousness. And once we read this next statement, they are all synchronized. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. The advocate is the person that cleansed you in verse 9. It's not a a separated statement, it's a reiterated statement. It's not a separated statement, it's a reiterated statement. So he reiterated himself in verse 9, and also in verse 1. He reiterated himself in verse 8, and also in verse 10. He reiterated himself twice in these two chapters. But people have separated these two verses in each chapter and have created this doctrine. And many people believe that. And we can just read um, 1 John 3, 8, that says that he who says, I'm sorry, he who sins is of the devil. We can just read that. And then they come back in verse 2, and say, yeah, I know he who sins is of the devil, but if I sin, I have an advocate, though. It doesn't go. It can't go. It contradicts itself. So, therefore, that that context is wrong. So, I sought the Lord on this, and this is that's what the Lord showed me. So, uh, I shared that in peer part with Pastor Don and Tookie Linda, and he wanted to uh, me to share that with you guys. Yeah. That was really, really good. good, what the Lord showed me,
1: yeah. you know, about yeah. what that was. Good. Also, halfway through uh, verse 1 uh, of chapter 2, where it says, uh, And if any man sin, mm-hmm. if a man couldn't <laughs> stop sinning, that would say, yeah. And when that's good, yeah. any man sinned, mm-hmm. that's good. Uh, if, if it says if, that means a mighty might not, mm-hmm. you know, he's got that. Mm-hmm. Got, yeah. and keep in mind, they what the world will say it. That's to win. Yeah, that's gonna happen.
4: Let's be even clarified, even more that's before conversion. Yeah, because Christians don't sin. I want you to get that correct. That's before conversion, right. Because Christians don't sin. That's another way you can find out who's really a Christian. Because if they're still got any bit of sin in their life, they are not Christians yet. And, and the reason he it says that head. is
0: because we're told in the scripture, if, yeah. if like in 1 John 6, 9, Ephesians 5, Romans 1, Revelation 21, 7, that if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, speaking of fornication, adultery, all these different sins. Correct. And so therefore, if you do any of these things, you're not a Christian because you don't have eternal life. No. Yeah. You might try to approach yourself as the world calls Christian, but it's not really what the scripture calls Christian. Wes, well, I saw you come on. Did you want to say something, brother?
3: Yeah, I mean, a good point, uh, Nidric. And um, yeah, just trying to show that you can't isolate the text and you know try to make it a proof text just off of one or two verses. And that's what most people are, are doing. And if Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all unrighteousness, how are you still in sin? How are you living in a sin confessed cycle? He's already cleansed you. It's it's it, you know. So if anybody says they have no sin. Well, if Jesus Christ cleansed you from all unrighteousness, it's impossible for you to be in sin at that point. So you're you're going to be at that point vilely in violation of that concept that that concept is true. Um, and going on to verse three, by this, we know uh, that we know him if we keep his commandments. I mean, it's right after he goes right into verse three. And then he says, he who says, I know him and doesn't keep his commandments as a liar. And the truth is not in him. So if you don't keep his commandments, which is, you know, sin, if you're not keeping his commandments, you're sinning. And John's saying if you're not keeping his commandments, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. So which one is it? So that's why it's going back and forth. And it's speaking of those that are unconverted to those and then showing that, hey, this is what truly people that are born of God look like. They keep God's commandments. Of course, you know he's an advocate. He's a propitiation, not only for us, but also for those that are up the world. So John's just defining, hey, this whole covenant has been opened up to whosoever will truly repent and come to God with in a, in a, with the, with the, a heart that's not filled with guile and deception and trying to basically trying to pull the wool over God's eyes and everybody else and think that they can just live hypocritical live in a sin confess cycle and that's never what the new covenant and what jesus taught or all the other uh, apostles taught was always purity of heart the bible always argues in favor of righteousness it never argues in favor of lawlessness and that's what most of the majority of the so-called christians are doing they're arguing in favor of lawlessness and you know, and Matthew chapter seven says that the workers of iniquity are not going to be with him on that day.
4: <clears throat> Do you know? I don't know if you got it, it on, if that's okay. Go sure. ahead. In First John three, it tells us what sin, because he just said lawlessness. In First John chapter three, it tells us what lawlessness is. All right. If you go to uh, First John chapter three, verse um, four. It says whoever, in King James Version, it says, whoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law or lawlessness. Yes. So it's important also for you to know what sin is. Because sure. if you don't know what sin is, yes. then you could very well be doing it and not know you're doing it. It's like also important to study the law of, the, of Christ in Luke 10. Whenever Jesus was with that man approached the Lord, was and he, he said, what does the law say? you got to educate yourself on that law. What law he's talking about? Matthew 5's law. Jesus
0: Christ's law.
4: There's a law that we're under, and it's important that we know. The
0: law of Jesus Christ, 1st job, 1st Corinthians 9. Absolutely. And, it's and, and you that you, you know. have to substantiate with law, because there is a there is a Levitical law, right, uh, which isn't about the moral law, but it's about circumcisions and holy days and all these different washings, all this is that's not what he's talking about, he's right. talking about the moral law that was there from the, from the beginning of the creation right. of Adam and Eve basically yes. mm-hmm. I'm
1: not sure whether I agree with your last statement that? Uh, that verse being strictly for people before conversion I understand what you're saying yeah. about that Christians don't sin, yeah. and we're not supposed to or anything, but if Something happens, you raise your voice with dawn or uh-huh. something like that. So you still have that advocate. Sure. So uh, and, I and uh, I think what he's saying, Don, is, is like
0: first it's like Hebrews ten twenty seven. If we sin willfully yeah. after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there's no right. sacrifice for you sin. And and you're just stepping into a dangerous condition because you right. may not be able to repent. There's no assurance that's that you will really right. be able to have that advocate because you've, you've stumbled on the grace of God. You, you've intentionally gone and done something that you knew was wrong, and yet you broke the commandment of God purposely, put you in a very dangerous condition of whether you can come back or not come back. Right, right.
2: I have a question. If we was to read the scriptures in chronological order, would and read it as it was originally intended to be read, there are no punctuation marks. There's um, no paragraphs. Sentences. No capital letters, no little letters. Right. And letters. In it's all written in Hebrew, and there's a little bit of Greek.
0: Well, the whole New Testament is Greek. The Old Testament is Hebrew.
2: Okay. Um, but if you was to read it in chronological order, would all of this that I've just marked out of all these different books, would all that fall together? Yeah. Well, keep
0: in mind, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all the same. They were just they just wrote it in their words of what right. their, their lives were like. The book of Acts are the Acts of the Apostles, which were written by Luke, of, of what the Acts of the, of the Apostles were through that. Mm-hmm. Paul addressed different churches, like the Church of Galatia, because they were falling back into the old law, the Levitical law, of, of circumcision worship and worshiping of, different, of angels mm-hmm. and worshiping and um having holy days. So it, it just depends. Um, yes, you read it in, in order, and, 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 as far as the books are concerned, but you're going to get different, you're going to get the same accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all through them, of actually a confirmation, because they're all telling in their own words, which it all confirms itself to be so. But uh, yeah, especially like, like I said, if you went to the back book of Matthew, the back book of John, you read the, the words of Christ, you know, then, and you follow those words, then I mean, you're in good shape. You know you, you're following those words of Christ. So yeah, you can read those in, in that order. But but like like Cetric was bringing out uh, when you when you get your mind out that mindset of chapters especially, and you realize like this is all flowing together. Man put the chapters in there. They yeah. weren't in there. Yeah. So so See, you, know. you let that know. you let that all flow together, and you're taking it in, in the full context of what's being said. So many doctrines are started on isolated verses out of the context of Scripture. So it's important to read before the Scripture and after the Scripture to see what the subject matter is and what he's trying to to portray and what is being said. Uh, For instance, I'll give you an an example. You can read uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, For by grace you are saved Through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And a lot of people read that and they stop right there. That's but it. if you read before it, he tells you what salvation is. He says, you, he says you, before you, were, you followed the prince of this world, you were walking as the children of disobedience. He's talking to people that had got converted, and it was the grace of God, because it's the grace of God that, that, that teaches us to deny ungodliness and walk in holiness and righteousness. Then right after, this, when he says, For by grace you say, through faith, act not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So there's works coming forth. Faith is a work about the, the, the Scripture says. He says that in First Thessalonians chapter one and Second Thessalonians chapter chapter one, it, the Bible says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but a new cre- creature, or faith working through love. So it's a faith that's, that, that, that is, is a work of faith that it produces, like James said, Faith without works is dead. He said, and he makes a question uh, that, that I like to bring out sometimes, Linda, is the question that, that, that James wrote, which is the book we've been reading. He says, can faith alone save you? Well, you, you, re- you look at enough videos, you listen enough preachers, mm-hmm. they'll tell you it can. Yeah. But, but James <laughs> asked the question, can faith alone save you? No. Faith without works is dead.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The, fa- the works must be there. In order to have salvation.
2: Yeah, you can... I showed Jill. I said, look, I've got that mark, I've got this mark. I said, well, what you, what you were reading, I said, was well, never taught to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't read Yeah, it. when you remove that out of your mind, you can
0: see it more clearly right. what's really being exactly. said.
2: And I said, they don't teach that. Now, they don't, they don't teach
0: what I've got marked. Yeah. Other ones, you have a word, Cedric.
4: Yes. In 2 uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 21 Mm -hmm. it says but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor if a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. So what he was talking about in Ephesians 2, chapter 10. Oh, hey,
2: Ephesians. more. Oh, yeah. I
4: Ephesians 2, chapter 10, that we're his, good, his workmanship, the master's workmanship. There you go. That's this good. is the master here. For the master's use and prepared for every good work. Read the next verse, too. Absolutely. <laughs>
3: what are you laughing at I just you to read it
4: (laughs) amen Flee also youthful lust but follow (laughs) you can stop right there (laughs) (laughs) but follow righteousness faith, love, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart we talked about that pure heart earlier but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender